This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. In the climate's most recent game, they fell to a 1-0 defeat against West Ham United at the London Stadium. And despite a lot of huff and puff, they couldn't blow the house down. This is the No Nay Never podcast. So welcome this evening and thanks for joining us on the No Nay Never podcast. Uh, this evening we've got regular panellists, Tom Whitaker and George Poole joining us. Gentlemen, how are we this evening? Cheers, Richard. I'm still basking in the glory of that intro. Really enjoyed it. Good work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've uh, been stressed out for the last five minutes since I realised I was hosted about what to actually say for the intro and I've come up with a little bit of a cheesy line, but um, there we go. Hopefully, uh, Natalie will be proud. Um, I'll stick with you then, Tom. So, West Ham, 1-0, a bit of a tame ending. Um, kind of, what were your thoughts on the game in in the immediate aftermath? Because there was a lot of um, kind of frustrated fans on Twitter, wasn't there? Yeah. Do you know what? <clears throat> I don't think it even took until the immediate aftermath. I think you could tell exactly how we were going to finish after ten minutes as soon as Antonio scored. It it had the feel to me of uh, remember when we had that nineteen game run where we didn't win under Cotterill, uh, going back a bit, and it was like every game you'd rock up and you just hope we draw nil nil because we never had a goal in us at all. As soon as the opposition got the first goal, you'd be like, right, that's it, that's the end of the game. And uh, and that's how it felt. You know, we uh, a few away games this season, you know, Brighton, Villa, we've not really had a goal threat, but we've defended well. But in them games, you know, if we'd have made one slip and, and let a goal in, then we would have got beat 1-0 in them games as well. And it and it had that feel, you know, we've made a mistake for the, for the goal. And then we've just, you know, I think most people, when they saw the team sheet, thought we're going to struggle to get goals in today. And so it proved. So, yeah, yeah I think I was pretty much uh, gone through the five stages of uh, you know anger and grief and frustration and all that by the full-time whistle because I knew exactly where we were going after 10 minutes to be fair. Yeah, I think a lot. I think the game definitely had that feeling. You know, on, on the point of Steve Cotterill, it's obviously he's not been too well this week. He's been in intensive care with uh, with COVID, so we wish him you know the best. Yeah, it definitely had that feeling. And I said kind of in, in our group chat that you know, as soon as that goal went in, game, game over. And for the rest of the game, you know, there was a lot of kind of possession. 
but you know we didn't threaten at all and I thought West Ham played the you know a good game plan to be fair they let us have the ball and we never really looked like creating anything I know you George you seem to be a little bit more upbeat than the rest of us I know I was full on ranting on Saturday night <laughs> so yeah George you seemed a little bit more balanced and you probably didn't think it was as bad as a uh, as bad as a performance as maybe some some others did. Not gonna lie, Richard, I'm as down as you lot to be honest. <laughs> um, well, you changed your tune, George. You was Mister Positive on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I changed my tune to be honest. Upon reflection, like it, we, it was just, <laughs> it was just boring. Like we just looked so, it just in uh just ineffective this se- uh, this season it spells, and we just looked like we'd just been left behind by teams and. To be honest, it's probably like paired up with like the lack of any action on the transfer front. Just made me think, just like I just can't be bothered with it anymore. <laughs> like we, we we go away to West Ham, and I was listening to last week's podcast earlier today, and Natalie was going on about, oh, you know, hopefully we can get on the front foot away at West Ham, show them like this is why we're a Premier League team, and then it just made me think back to the weekend and how torrid we were and like just not creating anything, and it's just yeah, it's just. I'm just not happy about it, unfortunately. It was a poor game, and the same as you. After after Antonio scored at the start, it was difficult to see us getting back into it. And I think it made it it made our weaknesses even, um, shine even brighter. Just the fact that West Ham's wingers like looked so threatening on the counter attack because they weren't great, but you know they did they did pose a threat. And I think it just juxtaposed is that the word uh, with our with our lack of any creativity from the wings. Yeah, it was kind of, I think you're spot on there, George. It's, uh, maybe you've seen the light a little bit. I, I was kind of... More lights in the dark, Yeah, seen the dark. <laughs> you know, I kind of just watched it. And it, was, it was, yeah, like you said, it was painful to watch the lack of creativity. And, you know, we just end up going, you know, to our old hoofing it in the box. And you, you're just hoping for a little bit of a look, you know, and I don't know, like somebody to give a bad foul away or an own goal or something like that. You never think that. We're actually going to score, and you know we literally didn't have a chance at all um, on Saturday, and, and that was really disappointing. Um, at two o'clock, obviously, you know we, we're all eagerly anticipating the team, you know waiting to see who's up front, and quite predictably, uh, Daesh obviously went with Wooden Barnes up front. Um, you know, again for me, I thought that was the wrong decision. Tom, when you seen the team sheet at two o'clock, would you kind of? Right, okay, you know, let's get behind the lads, or was you a bit like, oh, here we go again? Um, the thing is, like, I'm not not quite as down on wooden barns playing together as a lot of people are. I think people have kind of got it in their heads that it's never worked and it's and it's always rubbish. Now, I'm not saying I would play them together at the minute because obviously both of them are out of form. Neither of them are contributing goals, but we have seen in the past they've played well. And I was at that game, you know, the three 0 away when uh, they were saying yeah, so it's going yeah. crackers. So. I was sort of thinking, oh, maybe you know that you know maybe he's at, he's knocked some heads together in the week. I mean, like the MK Don's game, I thought he was quite um, came out quite strong against him, and I thought perhaps he's looking for a bit of a reaction here. I thought Barnes especially and Wood to an extent. I thought they played alright against Man United, especially in the first half. I thought they put themselves about a bit. So I was thinking, well, maybe they both know sort of they you know they're living on borrowed time here, and maybe it's going to be the game where it turns around for them because. You know, I don't, I'm not a, a massive uh, admirer of West Ham. I think if I was a centre forward, I wouldn't mind playing against West Ham. But um, yeah, yeah, no, they, they were really disappointing. About as disappointing as I've seen them, to be fair. And uh, the first sort of five ten minutes set the tone. And, and I did think when West Ham took the lead, we're in for a long afternoon here. 
it's not all their fault. I don't think we're creating an awful lot for them at the minute. Certainly not putting in the quality of crosses that we have in some other games where Woods misses, you know, like the West Brom game, he hit the bar. I don't think you could say really that we put a decent ball in or put some decent consistent crosses in until he took Wooden Barnes off. So um, in that, I'd feel for him a little bit in that respect. But uh, yeah, at two o'clock, I wasn't devastated, but I, I, I will be sort of questioning it now if we, if, uh, Wooden Barnes are starting again on Thursday because we can see it's not working. We can all see it's not working, surely. Yeah, fully agree with those. And I'm just going to come to you for your opinion, George, because I think it is the main talking point at the moment is Dyche's kind of, whether you say it's stubbornness um, or, you know, his, his kind of loyalty to stick with Wooden Barnes. And... Yeah, so I just want your thoughts on, on that too. No, I agree. Like I, I definitely want to see a change for this week. I think maybe you can maybe like let Dyche off the hook a bit. I know people have been really critical of the weekend, but Rodriguez is coming back from an injury like not long ago. Uh, uh, Vidra's Vidra coming back from an injury not long ago. And you know, obviously Wood and Barnes have seen success against West Ham, but I thought it, we were crying out from like, the, even from half time onwards that Vidra um, and J-Rod should come on because we just needed someone to stretch the game. And I think obviously it ties in with going towards the end of the game and we're obviously going to put more pressure on. But I thought when Vidra and Rodriguez were together uh, in the second half, we did look far more threatening. You know, I, I do think Wood and Barnes are harshly treated because they, they barely get any chances. I know Wood's missed a couple recently, but they do barely get any chances. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say Rodriguez and Vidra, maybe time to give them, them, them two a go together or at least uh, Rodriguez in because I think Rodriguez is technically our best player and he just has that ability to link the midfield and attack, which we, we have been missing that link. And, and set us up going forward. So, from now on, I definitely want to see a change myself. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I think we do need definitely need a change up there. I think, um, you know, whether Dice sees Vidra as an impact sub off the bench, OK. But for me, Jay's got to start. I don't know if there's been fitness issues this season. Obviously, you know, he's kind of missed the odd game here and there. But I think he's such a clever player. You know, we, you know our midfield and our attack is so far apart from each other. So even sometimes when Wood and Barnes are managed to hold the ball up, they've got you know no nobody to pass to. So I think what Jay does really well, he gets in that pocket in between the lines and he offers a bit of an out ball for the midfielder. And don't forget, he's fantastic in the air. Some of the goals he scored with his head, um, you know, have been outstanding. So fingers. We'll move on to Liverpool. Obviously, after we've analysed the West Ham game, but for me, yeah, Jay's got to come into the team. And I think you know maybe with your strikers, you've got to look at the opposition a little bit more. So, obviously, we're playing up against Ob Bonham and especially Dawson, and they just headed everything away all day. And as George, you know, as you alluded to there, once we kind of brought Vidra and Rodriguez on, we was able to stretch them a little bit more and we did look more of a goal threat. But, yeah, you know, we have got to break them up. And, you know, I, I don't want to go into it anymore today because, obviously, it, it is, you know, we could go on about it forever. But I think we'll just need to break out the team. I actually feel sorry for him at the moment. He's completely down on confidence and you know I think a break would do him good all right so we've mentioned um the goal that was conceded early and w- once it went in and I had that sinking feeling so Tom um was it good play by West Ham or could it have been a goal uh, that we could have avoided it's just a bit of a miscommunication in it between the centre-offs um it's one of them I don't know if Tarkovsky gives me a shout or what but like he's not he's not gonna win that header properly and it's going to drop right on Tarkovsky's head if uh, if he leaves it. So do, I, I can only assume that he's he's not heard the shout or, or whatever because it's not something you often see from them too. 
they're on sort of the opposite sides as well. Tarkovsky the other side of me, which is a bit weird. So I guess they've been turned around a little bit as well. Maybe that contributed to it. But I'm in mean, the ball then. wasn't anything special. It's just had that nick off me. I've seen a few people blaming Brady for the um, for not being as I night, did, <laughs> which I think is a bit like. I mean, surely it should be Peters there, and then I mean, you know, you could criticise Brady for a few things, but I'm not sure knocking him for not, you know, marking some fella in the six yard boxes. I don't think that was the biggest problem with that goal. Me personally, maybe you've got a different view. No, I think just the way I seen it, obviously, because we got stretched, obviously because Bowen made that run. I think I can't. I think. One of our centre halves initially had to go out out wide, so Peters had to come in the middle, you know, acting as the cover for that centre half. So, you know, for me, there, that's where I would like Brady to kind of bust the gut a little bit more to try and get goal side of of Antonio to maybe mark him instead of being the other side of him. But you know, may, maybe I'm being harsh there. It's just kind of you know just just trying to analyse the goal a little bit. But I think it's just frustrating because they're the type of situations that we do normally gobble up. Um, George, though, I thought uh, Jared Bowen was excellent in the goal. He made a real forward run, and it shows if if you've got you know that pace in the side, how he can stretch teams. And I know it's a player that you know I definitely would have liked to us to assign last summer, uh, sorry last January when West Ham did. Sorry, George, that 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 one's for you to give a bit of analysis on the Bowen run and how he stretched our defence. Sorry, just, I, I'd cut out, and I was like, what you and I came back in halfway through what you were saying. But no, I agree with you. Um, I think I said it at the chat on the chat at the weekend that the likes of Bowen, uh, you know, is a player that if we'd have actually got our you know stuff together, we could we could have signed and we could have he could have been a really good signing for us because at the weekend, obviously, I think you're hinting towards the Brady stuff. I actually agree with Rich. I think he could have. It's not the biggest issue, uh, but I think he could have you know put a bit more pressure on the man because Peters had actually been dragged wide by the the. The Bowen ball, but as soon as that ball actually went through to Bowen at the weekend, I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, you know, really good player. That I wish we had something like that." And I just had this gut feeling of, you know, something's about to go wrong, and unfortunately, it did. And he's not—he's not the sort of player like Ben Rama. Okay, he's—we're never going to sign the likes of him. You know, twenty-five million, um, going to go to a big London club. But Bowen, you know, going from—was it Hull that he left? Um, we were always linked with him. Yeah, we always yeah. linked with him. We were making, we made a bid at the time. I'm pretty sure Sky Sports reported, and it's the kind of player that, if, if we were competitive in the transfer market, we could have got and we could have progressed. But alas, we we're not competitive. We've not progressed, and we've actually regressed. And that's why even the likes of West Ham are just looking a level above a, a level above us right now. And it is it is really disheartening to see. I think yeah, you're spot on. Though. I think someone like Bowen. And I think a few years ago, we were getting those players, you know, the best talent out of the championship. And it even says, it even seems we've gone out of the market for their, for those now. And, you know, that's really what we're missing, that pace to run in behind and, and stretch teams. And that's the only thing I'll say when Barnes and Wood are playing. And it's not their game, so I'm not blaming them. But we just don't really have that ball over the top to, you know, to, you know, to like I said, to stretch teams to get in behind a little bit more. So, yeah, we went in 1-0 down at half time. We said lackluster performance, sloppy. We never got back into it. But Dice, you know, to be to credit, you know, credit to him. We always say he's late with his substitutions. He made a change at half time. He brought McNeil on for Goodmanson, who's still, you know, finding his way back to fitness. But obviously Dwight come on and he looked our main threat, didn't he? Tommy looked really bright when he come on. 
Yeah, he looked a bit. He looked back to what we saw of him last season. Obviously, before today, we've not really seen the best of him this season. I don't think he's not had that many good games. I've been thinking for a while. He, he looks like he needs a rest for a couple of games. <clears throat> Obviously, it was a bit of an enforced rest with a bit of an arc, but seems to have good, done him a bit of good. He was up and down that wing a bit more. Um, it will benefit him if we can keep uh, Good Munson and Brady fit because it means he doesn't have to play every minute of every game. Um, yeah, and I think, like you said, the supply to the centre forward is better in the second half. He had a lot more of an impact on the game than uh, than Good Munson, so hopefully that will be a good sign. Uh, and obviously, if we get Taylor back down that side as well, we might see a bit more of an attacking threat coming from, from the wings. Yeah, definitely. It was good to see Dwight back, and he really looked like he was up for the game. He come on, he wanted the ball. Unfortunately, you know, we're just relying on him a little bit too much there. Um, you know, maybe maybe for that creativity. Um, George, Tom mentioned there about Taylor coming back in. In my opinion, we need him fit as soon as possible. Do you think we'll start creating more chances when we've got that Dwight and Charlie um, left-hand side combination back fully fit? Yeah, I think I think we're desperately missing it, to be honest. Uh, Peters, you know, really solid signing. He's a, he's a good backup, but he's no Charlie Taylor. You know, going forward, we, we, we missed, obviously at the weekend, McNeil wasn't starting and Peters was... Uh, we're starting instead of Taylor. We really miss that creativity on the left side, which is usually like the predominant wing which we create chances. And I think it was mentioned on the podcast last week. It's no, it's no coincidence that Wood's gone off the boil when McNeil's not been playing, and you know that that partnership hasn't really been the same this season. Uh, we're really, really desperate to see Taylor and McNeil back, just making runs, attacking the defense. It puts the defense on the back foot more than anything, and we saw that in the second half when McNeil was brilliant to be fair completely changed the flow of the game and we actually looked a bit more threatening um we don't create much on the right hand side just because Brady and Goodmore are not the kind of players that attack a full back they're more like they more <laughs> yeah. like putting you know deep crosses more like and the right back's a position we need to look at in the summer it's good though that in it George that our weight our right wingers don't attack that's <laughs> exactly. always a bonus, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's always, that's, that's, I don't think that's their job, really. But you know, yeah, we could do with a bit more creativity. And the sooner Taylor's back, you know, the better. So, George, I'll stick with you because you did look over it briefly. And then Jay and Vidra were introduced in the second half. I both thought they did a good job. There was one run that Vidra did where he, where he took the ball lovely and got into the box. Unfortunately, couldn't get a shot off. Do you think those two made a difference, and have they done enough to? for both of them to stake a claim uh, to start together in the coming weeks? To be honest, I, I actually, I, I might have said before that Rodriguez and Vidra both changed the game. But Vidra, for me, like I put it in our chat, was you know pretty invisible throughout the second half for me. He got, he got his chance of coming on in like early in the game, the 55th minute or so. And apart from that, I, I I sent the message to the chat and I said, look, Vidra's not done anything. And as soon as I sent it, that minute... <laughs> yeah. He went into the box, you know, and beat a couple of players. But that's literally the only thing he did all half. So for me, he's not really stated to claim to start there. But Rodriguez, for sure, like you said before, he drops in between the line between attack and midfield, and he links them up. He, he pushes us forward. He's got that bit about him to sort of manoeuvre around a man, and you know, he's really good in the air. So I think Rodriguez is, you know, he's nailed on. He has to start at the weekend, and maybe it is time to take Chris Wood out the action for a game or two. Uh, maybe Rodriguez and Barnes start at the weekend. Yeah, so yeah, I, I do agree with you there on Vidra. I think, I think he did have an impact. I think he stretched him. He didn't maybe get enough ball that that he that he would like. I think obviously maybe the reason Dyke isn't keen on him 
I just don't think he, he suits our style of play. So, kind of the, the final question for both of you be, before we move on for the game. So, George, you'd like to see um, Barnes and Jay start then on Thursday evening against Liverpool? Um, yeah, because because also I think with against Liverpool, we're going to have to have a bit of a physical battle up there. You know, Barnes, Barnes maybe to go at the centre-backs. And if, if, if indeed Henderson and Fabinho are the centre-offs like they were at the... Uh, at the weekend, you know, we could really um, expose that maybe, even though the top the top players, but they are midfielders at the end of the day playing centre back. So Barnes and Gerard for me. Yeah, same question for you, Tom. Uh, for me, I think I'd go Vidra and Rodriguez because um, I think uh, the way that West uh, West Brom um, got a result against them at Anfield was the counter attack, uh, and as I said already, you know, you're not going to get that from Wooden Barnes. I feel like if we we can sit deep against Liverpool. Um, and soak up a lot of pressure the way they're playing. They've not got a lot of goals in at the minute. And if we've got a better out ball, if we've got a ball over the top for Rod- uh, for Vidra or Rodriguez to run to, especially Vidra, I think that's about as close as we'll get to a bit of pace up front. And I think that's what Henderson and uh, and uh, Fabinho would... I think they'd rather play against Warden Barnes uh, than in Vidra, to be honest. And I think Matip could be fit uh, for this, for Thursday's game, I read too. Obviously, he's not blessed with pace, is he, Tom? So it might be a good shout there having Vidra and Jay yeah, playing. That's what I prefer. Something a bit different as well. Just just try something else because it, it, it's not as if we're going to score less, is it? No, that's the one thing. It's not like we're losing anything. I think if I was going to go for a strike force, I'd, I'd agree with Tom on that one. And I'd personally go for Jay and Vidra. But I'd actually go um, and play five in midfield against Liverpool. I know it, uh, with Jay up front, I know it's maybe not worked in the past, but. I'd quite actually like to see uh, McNeil in that number 10 role and then, you know, still give Gunmanson and Brady the, the, the opportunity out wide because, you know, they, we're going to have to do a lot of defending as well. And, you know, I think just, yeah, just try something different because uh, I think that's what, that's what it needs. So just yeah, to clarify, it, Rich, just, sorry, to clarify, George. just to clarify, you mean you want to go five in midfield, but you don't want to play Stevens? <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't even mention his name. Now, now I'm <laughs> It's like mentioning Lord Voldemort to Harry Potter, mentioning Stevens to me. Um, no, he's definitely not starting. Um, I wouldn't even mind maybe Cork having a start and maybe keeping McNeil on the left and Brady on the other side. But yeah, I think that's what I go four five one, and you know may- maybe try and keep possession a little bit more. Uh, I think eventually Liverpool will break us down. We might have a scenario against United. But yeah, um, obviously that covers the West Ham game. Really disappointing performance. Um, you know, we just didn't really look ourselves, and you know, some sometimes I can kind of, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I can kind of understand the lack of quality and a lack of creativity at times because that's what we are. You know, that's our team, as George said. We can't go and spend twenty odd million on a on a Ben Rama. But I thought, especially first half, our attitude and and our urgency just wasn't just wasn't there, and it was a polar opposite performance. I thought to United, so hopefully it's just a little blip. Um, and we can get back on track. So moving on to Liverpool, obviously Anfield on Thursday, eight o'clock kickoff. A uh, really tough game. It, it may be a good time for us to play them. Obviously, they're not in great form. They've not scored for the last three Premier League home games. So Tom, have we got any chance at all? Obviously, we got an amazing draw last season. The only side to take a point from Anfield. So have we got any chance? It's tough, isn't it? Because Liverpool aren't playing well at the moment. The front three aren't scoring. Uh, like you, like we're saying, they're playing midfielders at centre-half. I do think they're keeping quite a solid, but I wonder if maybe there's a bit of a, 
a feeling like they've got to protect them two centre halves playing at uh, midfielders playing at centre half a bit, and that's why they're not going full throttle like they normally do. Or maybe they're missing a bit of energy from Henderson not being in the middle and uh, Fabinho not being in the middle. Uh, I think it's a bit of a shame for his Thiago's back because I think he'll make a big difference in this game. But if you look at how Liverpool played against West Brom and Newcastle, they were two teams who just who just sat there, sat back, defended, said if you can break us down, good luck, do it. And uh, and they struggled against both of them. And we're the exact same kind of team. So I really can't see us going there and getting absolutely pummeled. You know, I don't think we'll ship 3-4. The difficulty is going to be, obviously, it's going to be hard for us to get a goal. We're now we're playing at the minute and it's not really the place you want to go if you want to start turning them kind of fortunes around. And the, the problem for me is, like, obviously last season we had that Robertson scored that header. It was, what was it, 20, 25 minutes they scored. I think if that happens to us this time, then it's going to be a, you know, similar to the West Ham game, it's going to be a procession. So I think we need to either keep it tight as long as we can, you know, get to half time at nil nil and then and then reassess, or we're going to have to get the first goal and, and both of them are a big ask. So uh, it's a good time to play and as much as you can get a good time to play at Liverpool, but they'll be thinking the same about us. It's a good time to play Burnley. So uh, it's going to be difficult. And if we get anything there, we'll have done well. Yeah, I I agree there, Tom. I think it's imperative that we keep it tight early on. We really can't afford to concede an early goal because I think that'll just kill us and it, it and it'll, their confidence will be higher then and they can play with a little bit more freedoms and uh, freedom, sorry, and, and really hurt us. Um, yeah, just the same kind of question for you, George. Do you think we've got any chance, or do you think it's going to be a difficult evening? I think it's going to be a difficult evening, uh, to be honest. Just by nature of being Liverpool, I I remember I used to think about going to City like there's just an inevitability about it and I never used to think that about Liverpool until like maybe the last season or so uh, so now I just see Liverpool as a bit of a write-off even though we did get that brilliant draw there so I think it's going to be difficult and it'll be difficult um, for, as like a fan base as well because I think a lot of people will maybe overreact and see it you know as another game gone by and we're going to be closer to the bottom three so it'll be interesting to see over the next week or so, I know we're going to go on to talk about it, like the transfer front, because, you know, yeah. I think people are starting to get a bit restless about our position. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's going to be my next question. So, um, yeah, obviously, Tom thinks we've got a slight chance. George, no chance. I'm in between Tom and George if there's such a thing. Obviously, it's very unlikely that we'll go and get something. But if we can keep it tight and frustrate them, you never know. And hopefully, you know, we can, we can nick a goal and it'd be really good to kind of, you know, see, you know, just see, you know, a bit of a bit of change to the team, whether that's a, a, a change of formation, like I suggested, or you know, Jay and Vidra up, up front, like Tom did, uh, like Tom said. Hopefully, Taylor's back in. I think that'll give us a a really big boost. I think if Taylor's playing, I, and, and it gives us that energy and that um, thrust to get up the pitch, especially against Alexander Arnold, who's obviously not the best defensively, it does give us a much better chance. Like I said, it's going to be a very very difficult game. And hopefully a few results go our way this week as well. Um, so, Tom, you know, I always mention this and you always laugh at me. Um, so, obviously, we, we've, we, we seem like we, we was kind of like really comfortable. We've had a couple of bad results. We're still four points above the relegation zone. West Brom got a win at the weekend. Uh, Brighton got a victory too. Um, and then Fulham lost. But in my opinion, I, I think Fulham are really, really improving. Are you still really confident about us staying up? Are you kind of a little bit more nervous now? We've had a couple of defeats and other teams kind of won and Fulham's fastly improving. You love Fulham, don't you? I'm surprised you're not doing a Fulham podcast. You know, I think the goals, yeah. <laughs> well, do you know what? They were absolutely awful at the start of the season. And for some reason, I don't know why, I've like watched the last four games. I've watched every minute of it. 
And I just think they've got something about them. And that's the only little thing I've got in the back of my head that I'm slightly worried about is that I had kind of like Fulham nailed down to go down, um, you know, and, and and they're just playing well. You know, they've got good players, you know, Loftus-Cheek, obviously, um, Anguisa, you know, Luckman, who I think somebody who had that type of player I'd love at Burnley. And they've kind of sorted the defence out, haven't they? So, yeah, that's it, really. Listen, they're not, listen, they're not uh, City, are they? But, you know, they're definitely a, you know, a contender to stay up now. I think uh, what gives me a bit of hope, so you mentioned like West Brom and Brian both won at the weekend. I think for Brian, that was the first win in 10, I think. Um, the third win of the season. For West Brom, that was the first win since, I don't know, God, we're a lad. And they've won yeah. two games this Yeah, they've season. just lost, haven't they? Yeah, they beat Sheffield United. That's that doesn't even count, does it, really? So that's the first win for ages. <laughs> Um, and Fulham, you know, you mentioned how they're playing well, they're playing well. I, I don't think they've won this year, have they? I don't know the last time they won. You know, they, they made a draw against everyone for a while. They made a nil nil out to Brian. Yeah, that's true. They drew with Liverpool. But they're, they're not winning games, are they? They've only won two all season. The thing, and obviously we've we've got the in the last couple. Before that, I think we won two or three. We beat Wolves, beat Sheffield United. I think we've got a tough run of games coming up. And I think we're, gonna, we're probably going to get nearer to the bottom three before we pull away from it. Because I don't think... That many of our upcoming fixtures look that easy, depending on when the Fulham game gets rearranged. But for me, we've got more now than these teams. We've got more about us. We're, we're, we're much more equipped to, to just battle out a 1 0 win when the chips are down. You know, that Palace game that we won 1 0, that was a classic kind of Burnley yeah. win when the back's against the wall. I can't see Fulham beating the team 1 0 like that. I can't see them scoring after 20 minutes and then sitting on it. I know you say the defence has improved, and obviously, like you say, from the start of the season, it couldn't really get any worse. but I think there's still question marks there. The keeper's good, but I'm not a massive fan of their, of their back four, to be honest. Um, and then, uh, like, yeah, Brighton. I mean, Brighton are... Uh, they're, they're, I, it blows my mind, you know, the way people talk about Brighton. There never seems to be any pressure on uh, Potter cause, because they play this kind of fancy sideways football. They don't win games. They don't score yeah. goals. And obviously, yeah. 1-0 against Leeds, it's not a bad result, but I, there's not a lot to fear there for me. I'd be surprised if they finished the Bovers. And then the other consideration. No, I'd... sorry to interrupt. I was just going to say about Newcastle as well. No, the way they're the way they're slumping, they're going to be dragged into it sooner rather than later, I think, as well. So I would say we've got more than enough to finish above at least two of these teams. Yeah. So Brighton, I'll just cover that. Yeah. It's kind of this. Well, it, it's all you know. You you kind of Twitter football, isn't it now? Where people just love teams that pass side to side and don't really do much. And everyone's got this infatuation with this Graham Potter, maybe because he's been to Sweden coached over there um you know but yeah i'm not convinced with brighton you you kind of touched on me uh next point i was going to make uh raise with george because i didn't mention New- newcastle in that list of teams but oh i nearly half swore there but blimey they look bad don't don't they george i watched them last night and against chef united they were terrible yeah it will be really interesting to see whether they get dragged into it because uh, Bruce, they are, Bruce, in well yeah possibly well apparently they were awful last night as you say i'd, I'd sort of avoided the game um, but it will be interesting if they, if they are dragged into it because Bruce I think he's done like an okay job since he got there but at the same time they did they have spent quite a lot of money like he has been backed I don't buy into this Newcastle fan rubbish about Mike Ashley like yeah he's not the greatest guy in the world but over the past few seasons he has put money into it you know they've signed Almiron they've signed Joe Linton uh, this summer they signed Wilson, Callum Wilson yeah. Yeah, so to me, to me, they're probably actually underperforming. And but as Tom said in our chat last night, it 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 it's usually only Newcastle managers are sacked when they're really looking like dead on cert for relegation. 
So, you know, if Bruce can last a bit longer, if the natives can get restless and they, they keep on sinking, then it could be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, I think Brighton, I think they're just similar to us, where they, they always have sort of a 1-0 win on, winning them every so often, like they did against Leeds. So I th- think they'll be fine, but I've, obviously we're going to be in a battle all season unless we can really pull a rabbit out of the hat this transfer window, which just doesn't look like happening. Yeah, so we'll move on to that. Yeah, the transfer window, it's the 19th of January. I presume it'll be the 20th of January when uh, producer Mark gets this podcast out. And nothing, absolutely nothing. Diddly squat, hardly any rumours. There's been a couple of noises about Jason Knight in the last day or so. Um, that Derby looking to put um, him up for sale due, due to their financial crisis. And the terminology I seen from a tweet was Burnley are, 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 are on hot alert, whatever that he's means. He's captain tonight. Well, he's, cap- he's captaining. Well, I think Rooney's done that, obviously, to maybe try and emphasise yeah. to the current board how important he is and maybe to say to the player, listen, you, you, you can't go, you're really important. So, George, obviously, Alan Pace has come in. He's said a lot of amazing stuff, which we've all been wild with. Are you getting a little bit impatient at the moment? Are you still kind of cool and realising January is a tough window? Yeah, I'm getting restless just because, and and I, I fully understand that maybe he's just doing this just for media spin. But Dice always like says in the press conferences, you know, essentially that you know we've we practically we've done nothing like we've got a couple of hands in the fire like basically we're just nothing's happening and it's just talk like that just makes me think oh why not we've got new owners coming in you know it's the 19th of january now why have we, why why not even speculate and put bids in for players like just what's what's the issue with doing that you know there's the likes of this jason knight obviously it's up to them whether they want him but if if they do want him why have they not bidded already for it bid bid already for him why are we not actually you know, getting some action done. It's the same old leave it to the last minute. Fans don't really hear about anything happening. So I'm getting restless because we do need a few signings and it's all well and good pace coming in and talking talking a good talk and complaining to Amazon about the coverage of him. But at the end of the day, the only reason we needed a change of ownership was to do better in transfer windows. So it's about, you know, we need to deliver on that and starting with January. Yeah, I agree. I think to me, that was the main reason we did need to take over was to get transfers and, and to get players who can give Daesh, you know, a squad, you know, to improve. Where, you know, you you mentioned it earlier, George. We're getting left behind by teams around us, and this season has really shown the culmination of a few more transfer windows. Yeah, Tom, I see you've got your hand raised. Uh, obviously, I was going to come to you anyway, but you know, you go on, go on, pal, mate, make your oh, point. Nice one, there. Just wanted, yeah, just wanted to make sure he was because I think we're being a bit harsh. I mean. Uh... You know, you lot were all loving Pace three weeks ago when he came in and gave one press conference. Yeah, don't worry, Tom. I was going to come to oh, you. Yeah. Good well. man, yeah, yeah. I know you look after me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So uh, the thing for me is like, well, two things really from the points that, that George has mentioned there. So one um, mentioned obviously, like, there's not a lot happening in the papers. We know the, if they are making bids, we're not hearing about them. That's the way we've been operating for, for years. You know, under garlic and under. And it makes you wonder how much of it comes from the manager. I know, obviously, Garlic's still on the board and he's still advising. So, um, you know, how much of that is, is down to him. But, but to me, uh, the Dyche is the kind of person who doesn't want this stuff getting in the papers. You know, we, we struggle as it is to, to match other clubs financially. We don't want our business being done in public because it's the kind of thing that drives uh, bidding war. It's the kind of thing that drives prices up. So, to me, it doesn't worry me that I'm not seeing a rumour about being linked with XYZ. 
because a lot of the rumours are nonsense. And for me, the club's always doing its business on the down low, and that's the way I prefer it to be. So to not see rumours and to not see us being linked with anybody, I'm not too fussed about that. <laughs> the other thing you've got to remember is they've only bought the club about two days before the window's open. It's not as if they can just suddenly drop in, you know, and, and obviously Dyche was saying and, and Pace was saying, you know, they haven't really had a chance to communicate with him before the takeover has gone through. You can't set up all these deals in the space of, you know, a week, two weeks um, with everybody's backing. You know, the manager is going to have his own thoughts on who they want to bid for. Uh, you know, uh, what's his face? Um, Mike Riggy could have his own opinions, how much of an influence he has on it. I don't know. And obviously the Americans have, uh, will have a different way of thinking about it and a different way of doing it than Garlic did as well, I'm sure. So if, you know, we, we can't expect that it's just going to, he's just going to walk in on January the 1st with a hundred million pounds and start chucking it about at, at players. So I think for me, the timing of the takeover was always going to make it a slightly more difficult window than it, than it, you know, it, it had to be necessarily because it's come so close to the start of the window. Now, in a couple of weeks' time, when it's shut and we're sitting and looking at our squad, will I be disappointed if we haven't got one or two through the door and one or two over the line? Yeah, I will, because they'll, you know, I'm sure Dash will, will have had his thoughts and Rig will, because there's people who are in, you know, in the club before the start of the window. We know historically a lot of our business is done towards the close of the window as well, you know, because we're waiting for the teams to make bids and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I'll be disappointed if we haven't got a couple over the line before uh, before February the 1st, definitely, because we do need it and, and we all know we need it. But I'm not panicking just yet and I'm not I'm not turning on pace as quickly as, uh, as you like. Come on, George, mate, because I know you're bursting to go to. No, I think there was just... My restlessness is probably actually fueled by just like a, a worry about, you know, the new ownership in the in the sense that when when the stuff came out a week ago or so about the, the debt stuff and uh, where the money's coming from and, you know, the fact that we basically bought ourselves in some way with like money that was already in the club uh, and the noise is coming out with that, like the money that we're going to spend in January is actually going to come from the 40 million that was already in the club. So it just makes me think, well, you know, why... If we're getting new owners in, you know, where's that? Where is their money? Like, show show us your money. So I think I'm just a bit restless over whether these new owners actually have the desire or maybe the actual ability to put money into the club if we're spending the money that was already there in the summer. So you know, I, I think I'm just a bit worried that maybe we're not going to actually progress in the transfer market as much as we maybe yeah. we hope. And I think that's my kind of thought as well. I I actually thought we would have had. A player in by now. I think a, a, com- a couple of comments that stood out to me when Pace did his interviews, one was that the manager's not going to be frustrated. So obviously it'll be interesting if we, obviously we'll judge it at the end of the window what Tom said and I think that, that's absolutely bang on. And, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Dai says on that. And then the second comment was, we've not got an open checkbook, but we're going to be kind of like more... Um, more active, you know, we're going to be more on the front foot rather than leaving it to the last minute. But I, I think when the frustration comes at the moment, it seems like it's the same old Burnley rather than the, the kind of on the front foot. And But, you know, like Tom was saying, in a way, probably for us to sign players that are targets, we don't want uh, the news coming out in the media because it can obviously trigger um, a bidding war, which, 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 which isn't good for us and it. Um, I'll, I'll bid us. I think what you said there, George, and I think what has become apparent about the money is that ALK haven't got a lot of money compared to obviously other owners in the in the in the Premier League. 
Um, but I think they're obviously looking to generate money through commercial deals, maybe from player sales, maybe from the academy, etc. Which is, and, and, and this is why Pace has said it's always going to be a long term vision. But I do think what Pace does need to do, he needs to make make at least one signing in this transfer window, whether it's a Jason Knight or you know a player like that, for example, which actually gets players off the seat because first impressions are key. And if we do go all the way through January and we don't sign anybody or we just end up signing somebody on the last day, like a Peter Crouch type of signing, I think fans will, or some fans will turn very, very quickly, even though that would, that would be unfair. But I think it is crucial that he does make, you know, for me, at least two signings. We all know, we all know what, what positions we need. It's been made perfectly clear. We, you know, we, I, I don't need to ask Tom and George what players we need because it's obvious. So hopefully, you know, two weeks' time when we're doing this podcast, once January's closed, yeah, ho- ho- hopefully we do have a good couple of quality players over the door to really help dice for the rest of the season. Go on again, George. I feel like you're slapping me in the face, mate. This hand keeps, like, <laughs> popping on and off. So for those who don't know, obviously those, those who don't know, when, jo- when George and Tom want to raise a point, they put their hand up. And George's hand has just been flashing uh, during my own monologue there. So, go on, mate. I know you're going to be bursting. And we're like the uh, umpa-lumpers soon, just ready to... No, it's not... Yeah, anyway, go on, pal. Yeah, I'm a bit like the, the, the purple girl. I'm That's it, yeah, the purple girl when she yeah. pops, yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say is, when you just mentioned, like, um, if, if, say, it came to the end of the month and we made a deadline signing of Alla Peter Crouch, it wouldn't be unfair to judge. Well, I actually think, you know, maybe it is fair to judge them on that because... Uh, when Pace came in, he made a big speech in that in that first press conference with uh, all the local reporters. He said, "the the first aim of the first ambition and the first job we've got to do is to have a successful January transfer window and then make sure we stay up." So I just think we need to hold them to account to those words. And if it, obviously, like Tom says, we're judging them way too early. Here. But if it does come to the end of the transfer window and they've made maybe one mediocre signing you know maybe they might make a few good signings but if that comes you know I think you've got to have a bit of a judgment on that because they've come in and and stated their ambitions and you've got to be held to account to those ambitions. No I agree fully agree and I think (laughs) if we don't sign anybody over the line or or, or we just sign a mediocre player I can see Alan Pace being off Twitter on the 2nd of February to be honest with you Um, so yeah I, I don't think it'll last there too long if we don't have a good January transfer window. Um, all right, so the second game in the week is obviously Fulham in the FA Cup. Um, obviously, Robbie Kopak won't be watching that because he hates the FA Cup. Uh, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to that. It's always nice to have a little bit of a break out of the league. I'm not going to review that in too much detail. Um, but Tom, you're looking forward to the Fulham game at the weekend or, or kind of Knowing we've got a you know a big game coming up against Aston Villa at home, would you rest even more players? Yeah, I think I think both teams are going to be resting if you aren't, and they'd be daft not to because there's bigger fish to fry at the end of the day. I think yeah, that's that's kind of why it'll be fun in a way because it'll be a bit unpredictable. I feel like we're not going to be going gung ho, Fulham aren't going to be going gung ho, and uh, with our record in cups, normally it means we've got a bit of a chance. You know, I think that's the only reason we beat Sheffield United in the League Cup at the start of the season was because neither of us really cared if we won or not. I think it'll be similar. So it'll be interesting to see some of the fringe players going at each other. What it might do as well, perhaps, uh, you know, maybe I'm being a bit, uh, I'm reaching a little bit with this, but uh, maybe lay down a bit of a psychological marker. You know, if we can go there and uh, stick a couple past them and beat them quite handily, 
perhaps that will give us a bit of a psychological edge in the relegation battle. Maybe not, like I said, I don't think anyone's really going to care. But uh, yeah, it'll be nice because we know we've got a winnable tie if we do get through. Um, so, and I suppose Fulham know that as well. So, yeah, I, I think we'll see, we'll probably see similar to what we saw against MK, you know, like yeah, as many players as he can get away with rest and he will do. But I think that'll make it maybe a little bit more interesting than it, than it otherwise would have been. Yeah, I think I fully agree though. I think obviously knowing who the possible opponents in the fifth round draw gives it a, a little bit of spice. Um, George, obviously something that surprised me, I've seen me and Taki started um, against MK Dons, maybe due to injuries, but would you like to see those 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 two rested? Because an injury to one of those two, and bloody hell, we've, we've, we've got Long back in. Yeah, you're right. If an injury to him would screw us a bit, but at the end of the day, you know, centre-backs, I don't want to tempt fate. I'm, touch, I'm touching the, the wooden wall here, like, tempting fate. Uh, centre-backs don't really get injured, so, you know, I'd back them to get through a cup game. Just Unless fine. it's tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it in a sense that I think the scheduling sort of lines up quite nicely in that maybe it'll be Cork's first game starting, so he'll want to prove himself and get back into the first team, so he'll have something to prove. If Wooden Bard starts again against Liverpool, then may, maybe J Rod and Vidra will play against Fulham, and they'll obviously want to uh, prove something, and it might make of a a more uh, nice attacking style to watch for us rather than watching Wooden Bard. So you know, and maybe with Taylor coming back from injury, he might want to get games under his belt, and Taylor will play. Yeah. So I just think with the timing, we we might have like a nice little team there. But you know, on on the psychological thing, I can really see if we do lose, it'll be like. Bloody hell, look at Fulham, relegation rival. And OK, a bit of changed teams, but it, it won't be a good sign. So hopefully we can win because Bournemouth is a, a winnable tie. And, you know, we're not doing so well in the league at the moment. If we just get a few wins under our belt in the cup, it might like just lift the mood a bit. Like Sheffield United got a win in the cup and then and then did all right in the league. You know, it might just lift the spirits a bit. Yeah, um, no, I think it's good points. Yeah, I definitely want us, want us to go there with a decent uh, side out. And obviously, hopefully, put up against, uh, put up a good, put up a good performance. What I'd like to see after the Fulham fiasco with the COVID, and after Mitrovic was caught out partying, I think they should move the game to Turf Moor, and then it's a double header for League and Cup, and then whoever kind of wins that game at Turf Moor, Burnley get hopefully get the three points and get through to the third round. So I don't think that would be a good, um, a bad suggestion. Um, so yeah, exciting week ahead for the Clarets. Hopefully, we we see some goals scored. You know, for once, it'd be nice and wouldn't it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be great to kind of go away to Liverpool and get a result and who knows, even there, even there to dream um, and kind of ruin uh, Liverpool's long-standing unbeaten run at Anfield. So, yeah, fingers crossed. Ho- hopefully, we'll see a few changes. Hopefully, we'll have Taylor back and, like I said, it'd be nice to get through against Fulham and have a little bit of a cup run. So, thank you very much tonight to our panellists, uh, George and Tom. Again, really great insight into the analysis of the West Ham game and both really good points about transfers and kind of the what the hopes are for the rest of the January transfer window and beyond. Um, and again, obviously, of course, thanks uh, to the band Joyce for the backing music, uh, which is so familiar with the No Name Never podcast. But most of all, thank you to, the, to our loyal listeners who tune in every week. My name's Richard Steele and this has been the No Name Never podcast.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.